Hello and welcome to another ATP podcast. I'm Seb Lozier and this week, well, we should really say benvenuti a tutti as we are in Rome and already a few rounds in to the Internazionale Biennale d'Italia, the fifth ATP Masters 1000 of the year. Coming up, the incomparable Fabio Fanini. There's also two young Italians, Yannick Sinner and Lorenzo Musetti. And get ready, the two men right at the top of the game, vying for world number one, Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz, who start in the same event for the first time this year. We also have slightly older stardust in the form of Stefan Edberg. But first, we go back another generation as this historic tournament celebrates its 80th birthday. Ursin Caderas took a buggy ride with one of the grand old names of Italian tennis, he even has a court named after him in Rome, Nicola Pietrangeli. I played this on the first time in 1953, 70 years ago. It's my hometown and it's, uh, well, I won it twice, lost twice in the final. You know, I played eight finals of doubles, never won it. And it's, it's not the easy place for me because, you see, I'm from Rome, so the Romans want me to win. I'm forced to win, so I try to explain it's not easy. When you look at these players today, how do you compare the way you guys played back in the days? You see, this is a different game. It's another game. Before, you had to, you had to know how to play tennis. This is a physics. You know, before you are a talent and you become athlete. Today, you are an athlete. If you have talent, it's better. That's a big difference. And of course, the, the racket is... Uh, you know, I make, always make an, an example like Juan Manuel Fanjo used to win every race driving at 200 kilometers an hour. Now, if you don't drive at 400, and this is the record. Mm -hmm. Well, people are used to this game, so. And I always say everybody's been champion in his moment. Mm -hmm. And I hate when they say modern era. What do you mean, man? That was tennis. The great Nicola Pietrangeli as forthright as ever with his views. And I'm sure he would agree on the sublime ability of world number one, Novak Djokovic. Back in action in the Italian capital where Ursin Caderas asked him about the pros and cons of missing recent events. Well, it, it really depends. It's no simple answer to that question, I guess. You know, uh, I can speak on my own behalf. I mean, at, at this point of my, of my career, it's really kind of pick and choose where I want to play in order to to peak at slams you know this that's 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 kind of an ultimate goal and the main objective so I want to be able to play my best in Paris but you know um, of course all, any other tournament that I take part in I try to get the best out of myself you know uh, I know that I've mentioned that before that clay is obviously the surface that I would say requires a little bit more of a a time for me to really find that groove, find that game, find that movement that uh, you know that I really want in order to 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 be at my best. So uh, Rome, historically for me, has been a very successful tournament. I won it uh, many times and played many finals as well. So I've been quite consistent in the past. Support is great. Uh, the Italian crowds, you know, bring a lot of passion, a lot of energy. So. Hopefully that can, uh, you know, stimulate me, so to say, to, to find the best game already here. If you had to show your kids one of your most memorable matches here in Rome on YouTube, 
which one would you pick? Against Andy Murray, uh, semi-finals of 2011. That's that probably is the one that stands out. I had some epic matches with Nadal, of course. You know, uh, Roger and over the years. Uh, but that that one, I think it was seven six in the third set, went late into night. Um, yeah, that that's the one I would pick. How do you explain your dominance here? Well, I'm not as dominant as the uh, as the gentleman called uh, Rafael Nadal uh, on on this tournament, but you know I've I've had it's probably the yeah the most successful tournament I had on clay in my career. Um, I think it's what I mentioned before. Um, it's it's the way I, it's the way the people make me feel here. Uh, very welcome, very much at home. A lot of support, a lot of just the great energy you know great vibe uh rome one of the most beautiful cities in the world so just overall feeling is important you know uh off the court everything that you experience that makes you feel positive coming onto the court and being able to perform your best you've never actually played in the same tournament this year as carlos alcaraz how much would you want to play him well if i get to play him it will be in the finals so i hope it comes to that uh, honestly i think we both would love to play finals and against each other but uh, i think it would be disrespectful towards the other players if we talk too much about that matchup you know it's still uh, it's just the beginning of the tournament so it's a lot of great players uh, but yeah it's strange that this is the first time that we are in 2023 in the same draw uh, you know we didn't play in australia I, again i didn't play in states and, and in madrid um, I mean, he's playing as, as good as he can play, you know, I mean, he's, he's uh, playing in impressive form and we've seen that in Barcelona, Madrid last year and then this year again, uh, definitely a player to beat on, on clay, on any other surface for that matter, but especially on clay. You've been trading number ones for a few months now, is he your biggest rival at this time? I've, look, I, I, I can't take uh, anybody else but Nadal as my biggest rival. As long as Nadal is playing, as long as I'm playing, Nadal is always my biggest rival, regardless of the rankings or what's going on on the tour, just because of the history of our rivalry and everything. Uh, of course, I have tons of respect for Alcaraz, you know, but uh, he just came on the tour the last couple of years and there's some other players that are out there like Medvedev, I had some great matchups with him but you know Nadal and myself we go back a long time so definitely he, he, he comes in front. So even when he's not there, Rafael Nadal still front and centre of Novak Djokovic's mind. But not far away I'm sure is another slightly younger Spaniard, Carlos Alcaraz readying himself for a first ever Rome Masters as he told Richard Connolly. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, go to the center, visit the, the, the city, you know, the monuments and stuff. But uh, I would like to do that. But uh, yeah, I, I enjoying here. You know, the fans were uh, amazing as well uh, in the in the practice. So I really, really want to to play my first match here. What's it like when you come somewhere? It's brand new for you. You know nothing about the place and how it feels. But everybody knows you, and everybody is so excited. Well, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's weird, you know. I uh, yeah, my first time that I, I came to to the club, you know, I was uh, looking around uh, every small thing, you know, because uh, yeah, it's it's new, it's new for me. I yeah, I hear that this is a really beautiful tournament, really beautiful, beautiful place. So I have to look at everything, you know. Uh, and uh, trying to, to enjoy uh, to enjoy my time my time here, but uh, yeah, I mean, 
all uh, I expect is uh, the love from the people, and uh, it was it was amazing. And the love from your competitors as well. We have some lovely pictures of you arriving here, and everybody, the players, are congratulating you on winning Madrid, and congratulations from us as well. You seem to have friendships with players who are your rivals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we are rivals on, on court, but uh, most of the time we are off the court. So I uh, always wave uh, all the all the people, all the players. You know, uh, for me, it's uh, they they are a nice person. So I I have time, you know, to stop a bit talk with with them because uh, I have a, a good. Uh, Friendship, you know, with uh, with them, and uh, of course, it's, it's great to you know to have uh, their congratulations from from the, my success in, in Madrid. Of course, you had some recognition this week at the Laureus Sports Awards as well, getting their Breakthrough of the Year award. What was that like? Well, it, it was amazing. You know, it, it was crazy for me to to receive that uh, uh, big award. You know, and of course, being around from with a. Uh, uh, by great athletes, you know, great persons. It was uh, an, an unbelievable experience for me. Lionel Messi, was that special? What did he say to you? Well, uh, I just uh, uh, say hello to him, you know, how are you? And uh, it was uh, uh, great to, to meet him. Uh, I couldn't talk with him uh, a bit more, but uh, obviously it was uh, a great experience for me. And I guess at an event like that, it feels like you're representing yourself of course but you're representing the sport of tennis as well in a way is it important that you represent the sport in a good way yes uh, yes of course uh, i mean as uh, Federer, Djokovic, Rafa did that uh, they won uh, multiple uh, uh, laureus you know but the big ones <laughs> and uh, yeah in starting from the from the bottom but uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's great to uh, to represent uh, tennis from from the from the whole world. You mentioned Novak. This is the first week, I think, this year when you have both been in the same tournament at the same time. The fans, of course, are so excited about the prospect of another meeting between you. I know you'll tell me there are a lot of matches you have to play before that, but what do you think about the possibility? It could be great, you know, uh, of course, playing uh, against the best uh, tennis player in the world right now uh, and uh, playing against the, one of the best tennis players in history, it's, it's great, you know. I always say that if you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. And uh, for me, it would be, be great to, to meet him in the, in the final. That means that the, I, will, uh, I will be playing at a great level, you know, and uh, I could get through uh, a lot of a lot of tough matches so it could be it could be great but uh, as you said you know uh, match by match <laughs> of course i know you haven't played much just the one time but the rankings say it's novak and carlos carlos and novak do you consider him to be your biggest rival at the moment well uh in the rankings probably you know but uh, of course uh, there are really really tough uh Opponents, uh, tough players. You know, I uh, have great, great and tough matches against uh, a lot of players. You know, probably Janik right now is my biggest uh, uh, opponent, and uh, yeah, that we uh, we had uh, really great matches, but at the same time, really, really tough ones. Uh, but obviously, Novak uh, uh, 
as he's still playing, he's uh, one of the uh, best tennis players in the world, and uh, he's going to be the best uh, rival for for everyone. But uh, I have uh, a lot of a lot of players. One man who's fended off injury and is delighted to be back and part of his home masters is the great entertainer Fabio Fanini. So at the grand old age of 35, does the home crowd create fun or pressure? Well, it could be both at the same time. From my side, I mean, it's always special playing home, but at the same time, I know that in this kind of situation, I'm coming back from injury. So it's going to be tough, uh, but at the same time, interesting, let's say. You said you're coming back from injury and, and you're still going. What makes you want to put the hard work in every day? Why, why do you still keep going and want to win these matches? No, I mean, of course, I mean, uh, the last two years after the pandemic and after my ankle injury, of course, I didn't win so many matches. So second thing is I drop a little bit, of course, with the ranking, with all the injury that I have. Uh, but I think, I mean, to make a present for myself, I don't want to close my career like that because I think in that uh, I have already something, especially here in my head, so I would like to find it until I reach this goal. And you've got your son here as well. Is it important for you to be successful, to win matches in, in front of your family? Well, of course, it's something special because, I mean, we have only one big tournament here in Italy, so they don't travel that much because there is not only one, but there is two more. <laughs> and it's quite difficult. Uh, Flavia, she don't want to travel anymore because you guys know it's difficult. Travel with five people, it's quite tough. But, you know, of course, I'm going to play. He's, gonna, he's watching every... every they arrive on Sunday, he, he watched every practice. He came with me, so... I mean, of course, I want to win, of course, for him, but I think for myself, because this is my job, and you know that he starts to understand that this is my job, and once I'm a step on court, I try to do my job as best I can. How big is this tournament for Italians? It's big, I mean, it's big, but not only for Italians, especially for Italians, yes, it's one of the 10, 13, also Grand Slam, best tournament in the world, so of course, uh, uh, we like it, but at the same time, as you say and as you asked me before, it's extra precious sometimes. The competitive spirit still burning bright within Fabio Fanini, speaking there with Ursin Kaderas. And with wins already over Andy Murray and Miomir Kecmanovic, who knows how far he can go in Rome. The same question could also be asked of the two younger Italians inside the world's top 20, Lorenzo Musetti coming up shortly, but first... Let's hear from Yannick Sinner, who took the decision to miss out on Madrid and spoke about that with Richard Connolly. I'm very good, to be honest. Um, I took a little bit of time off after um, some very long tournaments, which is a good sign. I made a lot of, a lot of good things and um, the start of the season was, was good and I'm, and I'm happy to be, to, be, to be back here, especially in Rome. It's a special tournament for all the Italians and obviously also for me and um, physically uh, we worked very hard one, one week now and um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. What's it like that moment when you walk back into the Foro Italico? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a special feeling, you know, great memories, first time I played here, they gave me a wild card, uh, I won the first round match, um, 
lost then against uh, Stefanos, but you know every year I feel like that I have improved. I come here with a different mindset, uh, with uh, with some great things and um, you know positive positive energy. You know with with the with the people around you, with the crowd, and it's it's, it's always a special place. What have you learnt about the way you react emotionally to the support of the crowd over the years? For sure, in the beginning was not easy to to connect, no, with the people, with the crowd. But now I feel like it's it's natural, no. Uh, you you play in the front uh, in front of the crowd, and they only want to push you, no. They want to. Uh, to help you to win, no? and I'm and I'm happy to uh, that I have a chance again this year uh, to play in uh, in front of my my home crowd. Hopefully, I can I can make good things happen, which which I believe I can do. And um, so let's see in the end of the end of two weeks now uh, how how it goes. I mean, you must feel an even greater excitement this year, given the way you have played, and you've alluded to it. But this has been. A terrific year, and we've all noticed, I think, a, a strength of mind, an extra belief in yourself. Yes, I have a different mindset now, and um, I'm not scared to say that you know I can, I can win also big, big matches now. And um, I'm here; I can, I can do it uh, in one way, but in another way, you, you, you have to have the right respect to every single player. Um, every match is so tough, and. Um, also, emotion-wise, it's sometimes not easy. But you know, you, if I go in my way, uh, I want to push, uh, push myself to the limits, and um, because I know that, especially there, I can, I can show some very good tennis. It's the 80th edition of this tournament this year. What do you think it means? I suppose your perspective is is different as an Italian. It means a great deal to you, but it means a great deal in the calendar as well. Well, for sure, I am. As I said, this is a very special place to be. This. This year is the first, the first year that is going from one week to two weeks um, here where, with all new things, you know, uh, new fa uh, facilities. It's it's a little bit different, but for sure I'm happy to be part of the 80th edition of uh, of Rome. Um, as I said, happy happy that that I can start off hopefully very well, and and, and then we see how it goes. Lorenzo, how nice to be in Rome. How high up is this tournament in your priority list? Uh, it's probably, uh, I would say after the slams, it's probably my favorite tournament. And, uh, you know, it's something that I always uh, uh, look up to, to play, you know, to feel that hit that the uh, uh, Italian supporter give here in, in Rome, because I have really nice memories of, uh, of me playing here. What are your first memories of coming here? Uh, probably uh, being here with my parents uh, when when I was a child, and uh, you know, looking up, you know, to to be here as a player, and uh, um, probably uh, I, I would say I, I have one picture in my head uh, that remind me of me watching Federer uh, playing doubles. Uh, in the in the course like where where now is the practice course, and it was fully crowded and I was looking at him like uh, always been my inspiration and uh, you know now where 
when when I play on that court, I always I always remember him playing there and you know moving and uh, having the steps on court uh, where I'm where I'm going now. So it's really it's really nice to have such a old memories, but you know really fresh in my mind. As a child, what did you like about Federer? Uh, I would say everything, but uh, if, if you ask me like one one thing, I would say his uh, his style. You know, he has uh, his unique style of uh, a combination of uh, uh, fun, but also always elegant. You know, and uh, relaxed, uh, sort of chill, and uh, you know, sort of uh, really uh, in control. And uh, that that is one thing that I uh, I admire the most, probably. So you said fun, elegance, style. Is that something you see in yourself today? I I think I'm trying to be uh, like him. I'm trying to be more uh, in control, <laughs> but sometimes I I'm a little bit too too nervous. <laughs> I would say encore. So maybe I. I I think I I should do better uh, to um, you know comparing with with Roger, but uh, in some some details I think we we have uh, same same things same uh, movements on core also and uh, it's something that I always uh, try to to do when since I was a kid and until now and probably also in the future and try to be better on that. And similarly, you look great in that suit. Roger looks good in a suit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like to wear a suit. Um, you know, when we were doing the, the draw, it's, uh, it was a, a really nice location to put a, a, a good, a good uh, uh, let's say, a good uniform and um, such a beautiful and unique spot as uh, Trinità dei Monti and uh, the stairs of uh, Piazza di Spagna was really crowded and really I felt the support of the people even there. So uh, being elegant but in a, a young way, let's say in a fresh way, uh, it's uh, I think totally my, my look and what I want, what I want to be. Do you have a favorite cheat meal when you come back to Italy that you'll when when I come back to Rome, I have one for sure. It's uh, carbonara, and uh, it's something that I'm trying to do even at home uh, because I like to cook. So I I try to to buy the uh, the right guanciale, the right pecorino romano doc, and uh, uh, fresh eggs. Uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, it's like uh, a job doing the, the carbonara, so it's, uh, it's, really, it's really cool. I think it's uh, probably one of my favorite pasta. Have you ever put cream in carbonara? No, it's like uh, saying, uh, saying uh, something. You, you cannot say that in, in Rome, especially in Rome. I would say in Italy, but in Rome, I think you, you probably get in jail if you say something like that. It's an insult. Yeah, it's an insult of, in carbonara and all to the old Italian people. Ursin Caderas, guilty of crimes against Italian food. A great chat there with Lorenzo Musetti. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. 
Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. The Masters in Rome is always well supported and one of the features this week has been the number of children watching tennis. All part of a drive by the Italian Tennis Federation to get more youngsters involved and learning from the likes of technical consultant Donato Compagnoli. Yeah, it's very emotional because when you see kids involved in this event, that means that all the system, what we call the Sistema Italia, that first was first launched in 2011 with the goal to revolutionize the way tennis was perceived and played here in Italy. So it's a big emotion because that means that the system works, is in place and works perfectly through, let's say, word of mouth, through ad and everything. So the coaches are working very well at their clubs. The kids are there. The president has a vision. And we are, let's say, working for the federation in order for the system to work best. What do you see in the future? Look 10 years into the future. What do you see? Actually, 10 10 years back, we, we couldn't even think about that. So that was something unthinkable. We were how to... How can we define a set of visionaries that were working for, for something that was not even concrete and we, are, we were making mistakes for a good cause, let's say. And, and probably in a 10-year time, so what we are dreaming of is to have this event fully booked, fully booked, full of kids and full of adults and full of parents and full of everything so that this event is even, is an, even an incredible event. And why not? Why not to be a Grand Slam? A Grand Slam tournament at that time. That will be a dream coming through, coming through, and coming through actually because what, that's what we want. And more and more Italian players on both men's and women's sides who are successful. That was actually the vision. And um, back in the day, ten years ago, we wanted to have players. That was our dream because the last time that a Grand Slam tournament was won was '76. So really centuries ago, ages ago, so our goal was we want to have tennis players, so top 10, top 20, top 100, and actually if you look at the movement right now of these tennis players, we have like 10, 11, 12 in the top 200, this is a big success anyway, and these players being under the age of 22, so I think we have a great and positive future ahead of us and that will make the difference in our energies as people working for the federation. Another of the energetic coaches helping out was the federation's coordinator of national player development for 16 and unders, Luca Sprashini. A lot of kids, we preview 60,000 kids during the, these two, three weeks and uh, for us it's a big success. 60,000, that's an 60, extraordinary number. So much work must go into bringing that number of people here. How does that happen? The secret is to create an event within the big events. So, when, I mean, when I speak about event, is a Rome, ATP Finals, uh, Davis Cup. So, the, uh, our main uh, objective is to co- uh, involve a lot of uh, kids. Uh, in these uh, events and uh, we try to the school, uh, tennis school uh, primary school, secondary school, so we have uh, a lot of projects that we, uh, we, we including inside these events 
Do you have kids coming here from all around Italy and not just Rome? And if so, how do you make that possible for the kids? How much do they pay, for example, to come here? We, we give possibility to the coaches, to the tennis school, to buy tickets at one euro, one euro. So this is important for, for them. And uh, they organize bus uh, by train. And they come in uh, big numbers in, from all countries, from uh, the south, north and center of Italy. Why is it so important to get so many young people here? Yes, it's important because we have to create uh, an we want to create enthusiasm, uh, participation, and uh, we want to educate and former uh, coaches, parents, and kids too. Because we, we put in this event all the projects that Italian Tennis Federation and Pavel uh, developed in the club, uh, in the tennis club, tennis school. So we, we try to the dream of our president, Angelo Binaghi, is uh, must become tennis and paddle and racket sport popular in all country. It's very difficult in Italy because football is so big. But do you yeah. think do you think tennis can compete with football for for young people? Absolutely, we are organized. We are project. We are a system, and the and um, our best players show the, the the work that we, the work that we do uh, that we did in this in few years. So um, we are second sport in Italy now. Tell us about the importance of top players. We have seen here Yannick Sinner creating great excitement with the young people yes. how much has that made a difference for for the young people we think that uh, we don't think about tennis about forehand and backhand we think to develop the person the education of the kids and this is uh, this player are, are a big example about the sonigo uh, Musetti, uh, Berrettini um, are example, unbelievable, unbelievable example to where it is possible to become uh, the big person and then big players. A grand slam in Italy. There is no stopping the Italian Federation and its lofty ambitions. Another name to throw into the mix is Luca Nardi. The 19-year-old lost in the first round in Rome to David Goffin, but having started last year at 364 in the world, he's more than halved his ranking, reached the second round in Monte Carlo recently, having come through qualifying and is a contender to play the next-gen finals this year. Jill Krabus was keen to find out more about Luca Nardi and the way he plays. For sure, uh, my my game is changed a little bit. I try, I I learn to be more uh, uh, like a defender some, sometimes because I work on a lot like uh, physically and I won many matches. Like maybe I didn't play that well, but I I had that uh, physical power and uh, I started to be more professional like one years and half ago maybe because before I I was playing tennis but not that professional and in in this year 
two years, let's say, uh, yeah, we tried um, uh, in general to, to put more uh, professionality on the practice. For example, I, I didn't have that, uh, uh, how can I say, yeah, more um, professional more attitude to the hard work, that's it. Uh, and then, yeah, of, of course, uh, on the shots, on the, the behavior, on the court, and mentality, and uh, physical, everything. But for the first thing, uh, my attitude to the hard work. And are, are there certain things that helped you in particular change that attitude? Because it's hard to just flip a switch, yeah. and right? Are there certain things that you worked on in particular? Probably because I saw uh, some some guys uh, that are from my age and doing things that are unbelievable. For yeah, Carlos, Arkratz, Rune, we yeah, I'm very friends with with them, and I saw them like uh, when I was 10 years old, and they are like on the top of of the ATP. Yeah, that uh, can be like a. Uh, a call for me and yeah, I, I tried to do that uh, changing. So when you saw them when you were 10 years old, did you already see maybe a, an intensity that... They, yeah, they had what was different about them even at 10? They had something different, yeah. For example, Rune is always been like very, very hard worker. Uh, since he, he was 10, he was always like eight hours a, a day in, in, in the court and, and Carlos as, as well. So. That's the, the main point. And so how has that changed your practices? I know you said you, you brought more intensity, but yeah. how has that changed your work ethic? Would you say week in and week out? Um, particularly, n nothing has changed. Like, uh, we didn't change, like, for example, exercises or something like this. But yeah, just only to be more intense and try to do the, the right thing. And you also mentioned being more professional yeah. with your diet yeah. and nutrition. What exactly changed in that category? Uh, well, uh, I started, yeah, to eat better. And what? What? So, what did you eat before? And uh, like normal <laughs> thing, but yeah, when. Uh, yeah. Are you a sweets person? Yeah. Okay. A lot. So maybe too many sweets. Yeah. Now okay. you've cut I'm down on the sweets. Trying to be better. Yeah. Okay. Now What's I'm your favorite? If you had to pick one. Yeah, dessert. chocolate cake for sure. Chocolate cake. Yeah, <laughs> okay, sure. good. Um, I understand you like other sports yeah. as well. Is yeah. that what? I mean, tell us what I'm you Italian, like. I'm Italian, so I love football. Okay. Of course. Of course. I, th and I think you have to say that. If you don't say that, it's. No. Bad news, right? No, no, no. I love football. <laughs> Who's your team? Napoli. Okay. Because my father is is from Napoli. That, that's Naples. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I know. I don't yeah, okay, okay. And I, I cheer for them. So. And you cheer yeah. for them. Okay. I, I, I have to say, don't follow them. How are they doing? How are they doing? They are the first one. Oh, good. Okay. Congratulations. Yeah. Okay. Okay. First one. Um, and what else? I love playing paddle. Because I don't know why, but I love playing paddle. Uh, that's it. These two sports. Okay. And how's the other thing? Yeah, maybe I watch some matches, basket, but not that much. So how much paddle do you play? Uh, when I'm at home on on Saturday, always, always on Saturday. Luca Nardi, tennis player, paddle enthusiast, and die-hard Napoli supporter. Finally this week, another more honorary title was handed out in Rome when the great Swede Stefan Edberg accepted a golden racket for his achievements in tennis. Afterwards, I'm delighted to say he spoke with Ursin Caderas. Now I'm very proud to receive that. It means a lot coming back to Rome again. Uh, 
quite a few memories from here and it's a great place to play tennis with a lot of tradition. You reached the quarterfinals twice here in Rome. Uh, a lot has changed since then, the tournament expanded. What was it like when you played? Uh, well, it's always a tremendous atmosphere playing here and you know, once the Italian crowd gets going, it's one of the best in the world and uh, it's, uh, it's a lovely court to play on and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good place to play. You know, you feel like tennis belongs here. It's like you know, playing at Wimbledon. Uh, that's where tennis belongs as well. So there are certain places in the world that you feel that this is special and this is one of the places. You last came to Rome as the coach of Roger Federer. How do you look back on that time now, coaching Roger? Uh, well, it was a fantastic opportunity. It was a great experience. It was a fantastic journey for two years and uh, I never thought I'd be coached anyway, ever. But uh, I had the opportunity and to get to know Roger and just to see how much the tennis has actually changed since I stopped back in the 90s. So tennis has really progressed and you can see wherever you go to tournaments, especially here in Rome, when I was here last time, it does not look anything like what it does today. Today is a fantastic place and the facilities are so much better. Uh, so it's a good. Roger was someone who really admired you. You were someone he looked up to and yeah. he modeled, I think, his one-handed backhand after yours a little bit. Is, is that what you told you? Uh, well, I'm not quite sure about that, but we have uh, yeah, some similarities. And I think, you know, he, he watched Boris Becker a lot and, and, and we have a lot of respect for each other. You know, I, I love the way Roger plays tennis like a lot of other uh, people around the world do. And he's, uh, he's an artist on court and uh, just very special to watch. And it was very special to be around him to see how professional he is. And, you know, how things work nowadays from how it was in my days. Who is someone you enjoy watching from today's generation? Uh, well, I enjoy watching most of the top players because they're all tremendous uh, to watch here. And uh, but, but I would say, you know, of the very new generation, uh, Alcaraz is, has got something special, I think. You know, he's got an all-court reign, he's got good hands, so you can see drop shots and things. There's a lot of things happening which I do like. And you were successful early on, you, you won the Junior Grand Slam. Alcaraz is very successful very early on as well. What advice would you give Carlos in order to have a long, successful career? Just uh, like well, first of all, you need to have good people around you. You need to have a vision. Uh, you need to have a team that sort of looks after you on and off the court. And uh, you need to keep your passion going. Uh, and it's a lot of ingredients, uh, but you know you need a little bit of luck too. So he's uh, he's going to be there for a very long time. And the only thing you know you have to hope for is uh, that you don't have any major injuries because that really can uh, stop you. You spent a total of 72 weeks at number one. How much of an honor was it to be leading the ATP Tour? Uh, well, it's a dream to get the best player in the world. It's like, a, you know, you can tell your kids once in a time. A long time ago, I was number one player in the world. And, you know, when you come from a small town, as I do, uh, and then to actually get to that spot, uh, it's quite a journey. It's nothing that I could have imagined, you know, when I started playing tennis at a young age. Some number ones speak about it feels like almost having a target on your back. Uh, did you feel that pressure to stay number one? Um, no, I, well, I, I think we all feel pressure one way or another, but I saw it more like an opportunity to stay there for as long as I could. Uh, that became something that I worked very hard for uh, because you know you're not going to stay there forever. You, you may drop down, you may come back again. and. Uh, so at that time, you just got to enjoy it when you're there, but uh, obviously everybody wants to beat you. 
you had an unbelievable one-handed backhand. If you had to choose out of all the players that you've watched yeah. over the years, who's got the best one-handed backhand? Um, well, I think uh, Roger is in, in the top five, top three maybe. Um, yeah, I would choose him because the way he plays, uh, yes, I would. But if I had a choice to have a one-handed or a two-handed backhand, if I started tennis again, I would probably have some thoughts having a two-handed backhand because, uh, yes, I would, because there are some advantages, especially in today's tennis. Uh, you have some more sort of... if. I think more positive things with a two-handed backhand. A one-handed backhand can be very useful, but it's you know it's it's hard and you know when you return sometimes if uh, if the ball is above your sh shoulder, uh, so then then it can be a little bit tricky. The great backhand debate, one-handed or two-handed, is one that will never be resolved, and that's probably a good thing. That is it for this week. Our thanks to the great Stefan Edberg and all of our guests. Remember, you can watch all the action in Rome on Tennis TV. You can get all the latest scores and live rankings on the ATP WTA Live app and find all the latest news and video at atptour.com. I'm Seb Lozier. We will be back this time next week, rounding up everything in Rome. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Enjoy the tennis. <laughs>